Hello, it's great to welcome you to Search for Truth and the start of a new series of talks with your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. Thanks for joining us. Our new series is called Increasing Our Christian Footprint as We Walk with God. It's all about gaining a clearer concept of our Christian privileges and the responsibilities which follow. Hopefully, this can lead us into greater effectiveness in our Christian lives. So, I won't delay Brian any longer. I'll step on it and let him talk about increasing our Christian footprint. So, over to you, Brian. Thanks, John. And you mentioned the term step on it there. When we say step on it, we're usually intending someone to hurry up by asking them to imagine they're stepping on a go-faster pedal, like the accelerator pedal of our car. Put your foot down is another expression we like to use when we're encouraging someone to stamp their authority on a situation perhaps to take control of misbehaving children. But stepping onto a piece of land or putting one's foot on it so as to walk over it already had an understood meaning from ancient Bible times. Let's rewind back to very early in the Bible, to the time of Abraham, in fact. So we're talking some 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. What follows is set in the period of Abraham's early life, when his name was still Abram. Abram encountered the God of heaven, the God of glory, when he was a city dweller. Yes, Abram lived in what has become known to us as the Fertile Crescent, in the famous city of Ur of the Chaldees, where the populace worshipped the moon. Abram's life was never the same after his encounter with the God of the Bible. He abandoned city life altogether to become a wanderer, a wanderer with God. He didn't know where he was heading to, but he implicitly trusted the God who'd said to him, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Abram obeyed, and so he went, trusting the promise of the God who'd turned him away from all his idols in the vividness of that epic encounter in Mesopotamia. Abram came into the land of Canaan and then spent a short time in Egypt. On his return to the land of God's promise, in Genesis 13 and verse 17, God told Abram, Walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Now, we hear those words and we're tempted to think about an enjoyable stroll in the countryside, taking in the beauty of the land. But the sense of this command conveys much more intention than that. Walking about like that on the land back then would seem to symbolise legal ownership. The background for saying this can be found in early Egyptian and Hittite empires, where the king would take a periodic ceremonial walk around a field or a tour of his realm in order to symbolise the renewal of his sovereignty over the land. Doesn't it seem something like that that we're talking about here in the case of Abraham? In fact, in one Mesopotamian city, east of the Tigris River, property was once transferred from one person to another by the former owner lifting his foot from his property and placing the new owner's foot on it, all at the same time that a deed was drawn up. This action with the foot symbolised a legal property transaction. I would imagine this is equally the thought behind what we find in the Bible in Psalm 60. Verse 6 reads, God has spoken in his holiness. 
With exultation I will divide up Shechem and portion out the vale of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter, Moab is my washbasin. Upon Edom I cast my shoe, over Philistia I shout in triumph. In the clear context of ownership there, it's entirely reasonable that the throwing of the shoe over the land of Edom was a token of possessing it or taking ownership of Edom's territory. Perhaps there's some connection with how we're also told in the Bible book of Joshua, in chapter 6 in fact, in the part concerning the capture of the city of Jericho with its famous walls, we're told that all the Israelite warriors were commanded to march around the city seven times. I wonder if this kind of ceremonial marching around the city might have indicated in the culture of those times, and especially to the inhabitants of Jericho, that the Israelites were laying claim to their city. After the seventh day of marching around the city, the Israelites invaded and captured it with God's supernatural intervention. When the Israelites captured kings as well as cities, trampling them underfoot was something we read about. For example, in the tenth chapter of the book of Joshua, we read that Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. These five kings fled and hid themselves in the cave at Makedah. And it was told to Joshua, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Makedah. And Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves, pursue your enemies, attack the rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities, for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. When Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow until they were wiped out, and when the remnant that remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp at Makedah. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And they did so and brought those five kings out to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Back even before that, in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 24, a similar idea had been presented on the eve of the conquest of Canaan. This was after the time when the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt. Here we're now at a time point some 600 years after Abraham. This was when God told the Israelites through Moses, every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. The Hebrew term translated as tread in that verse, 24, relates to the setting of one's foot on territory or even on objects so as to take ownership. That's the clear sense of the biblical language here. The land trodden under their feet was land that was to become theirs. We're learning that this symbolic or ceremonial act is used throughout the books of Deuteronomy and Joshua with reference to taking possession of the promised land. Tantalisingly, for the theme we hope to develop in this present study, 
those earlier mentioned verses from Deuteronomy also contain the very first brief mention of a Gilgal in the Bible. And if you noticed earlier, there was also another mention of a Gilgal at the start of the story about the defeat of the kings in Joshua. Again, if you were listening carefully, really carefully, you'd have noticed that I said, Ah, Gilgal then, and not simply Gilgal, as you might expect me to say if it's the name of a town. I said that because recent archaeological discoveries in the Jordan Valley and in the adjoining hills of Samaria would appear to indicate that as Israel took possession of the land, they tended to mark ownership of it by building structures that actually resemble a large footprint to this day. These unusual structures were referred to as Gilgals and consist of two enclosed circles of stones, sharing a common border and joined together in such a way so as to form the shape of a giant footprint. One university professor from Haifa claims that these foot structures found in the Jordan Valley may very well be the first sites that the people of Israel built upon entering Canaan and testify to the biblical concept of staking ownership of the land with one's foot. Consistent with how they seem to symbolise ownership and possession, these circles of stone also visually reflect the general meaning of the Hebrew term Gilgal. Even though the sites are not technically circular overall, they did once have smaller circular arrangements of stone within them, stone circles that were probably used for ceremonial purposes. The overall effect, therefore, invokes the idea of circles, represented by the Hebrew word Gilgal. Six Gilgal sites like this, with the massive foot-shaped structure, have been discovered so far. Of course, it should be said that the Bible doesn't make any specific mention of foot-shaped sites. But it's perfectly possible that these foot-shaped stone sites, perhaps built by the Israelites during this time period, were intended as symbols of their declaration of ownership and control of the land, and anticipated their defeat of its previous inhabitants. And we don't know how many Gilgals there were in the Bible, or exactly where any of them were. Although not explicitly mentioned in the biblical text, one has been identified in close proximity to the place of Jacob's wrestling with the awesome stranger at the fords of the Jabbok. Another, different one, features repeatedly from the time of Joshua through to beyond the time of King David and later prophets. By recalling significant events which happened at these Gilgal sites, I want us to be challenged to increase our Christian footprint in our walk with God. The events we'll review in the weeks following God willing will be applied to our standing in the presence of God, to our taking ground in our Christian spiritual warfare and also to our stepping out in full obedience to all the will of God for our lives and finally in gaining a foothold from which to taste the powers of the age to come. I do hope you'll join with us in the rest of this study therefore and do bring along your walking boots please. Oh, 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 oh,
I hope you enjoyed our study with Brian. Please remember that the transcript book for this series is very useful if you want to do follow-up study alone or, or with a group. It's most helpful and it's free. Also, if you have any questions, please write in and Brian will be glad to help. We never pass on your details so you can contact us with confidence. You can also download many of our books and talks via the internet, but the hard copy book for this series is available to you by asking for the title Increasing Our Christian Footprint. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And did you know, by looking up www searchfortruth.org.uk you'll find our church's main website where you can download some actual programs and their accompanying transcripts as well as accessing other helpful material. So that's all we have for today. Thanks for the pleasure of your company and I look forward to you joining us next week if you can when Brian looks at us possessing God's promises and blessings. It should be helpful and interesting but until then, it's very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our studio technician, David, our singers, and me, John. So cheerio, and may God richly bless you. Yeah.